Gross Anatomy. Right. You always do really good intros, okay. Dr. Cohen. Right. Um, welcome. This is uh, Gross Anatomy, uh, where we discuss the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine as it relates to popular culture, entertainment, Hollywood, and such. And I'm Dr. Jason Cohen, and I'm joined by... Lauren Taylor. And we're now just a, a duo. <laughs> What's it? Not a trio anymore. Jackie yeah. um, has left the country uh, in search of love. It's true. It is true. She's living in Germany. She's living in Germany. And that might be a whole other talk. So <laughs> today's topic that we wanted to talk about was autism, and autism specifically in the media and in pop culture. And um, the reason that that's an interesting topic to us and, and why it seems pertinent right now is because of two TV shows, right? Two really popular TV shows. Atypical on Netflix and then The Good Doctor, which I actually don't know what station. I think maybe ABC. Maybe ABC, yeah. And I, I, I know The Good Doctor's in its second season already, so right. it's doing something okay. They both actually are. Oh, really? So, yeah. So uh, let's just go jump right into into that. So, um, as, as our homework assignments always are before we do these talks, we always try to watch the show or watch or read or whatever. And I really dragged my feet try, uh, um, in preparation to watch, uh, the good doctor. I really dragged my feet. I was very reluctant to watch it. Um, because I was all set to hate it. I really wanted to hate the show. And I finally watched, uh, the pilot only, um, and, I am so surprised that I actually thought the show was good. Really? Right? Did okay. you like it? Uh, I got into it, but I was watching it through what I thought you would think. Oh, and really? so I was like, I wonder if Dr. Cohen would be critical of this part. I wonder if this part is real. Like no, that there, kind of stuff. There are plenty of parts that I want to discuss that I, that I hated, but in general, I thought the show was going to be a hokey, cheesy, ridiculous, how could they be doing it? And I thought it was really well written mm -hmm. and pretty well acted. And as much as I went in thinking, this isn't going to be possible, by the time I finished or was even halfway through the pilot, I was like, I could see this. I could maybe see a doctor like that, that functioning on the spectrum, what, what they say. I could maybe see that happen. I hope I'm not insulting people within the autism community. I think a lot of doctors, a lot of surgeons or in general, I think a lot of people who are excellent, detail-oriented have some kind of behaviors that autistic people and patients seem to have, um, which I find interesting. There's a big billboard um, when you come to Beverly Hills, and it says it's about autism, and it's like sensory sensitivity, like if like right. sensitive to like light, noise, and I'm like I'm, I have that all the time. I'm always like I always need earplugs. I feel like in movies and all that stuff, so. I'm feeling like more people are probably thinking that they're on the spectrum and probably aren't just because we're seeing so many more things that relate to autism. Right. And personally, everybody always makes fun of me because I like to wear baggy clothing. And part of it is a style preference, but part of it is I just really don't like clothing that's kind of tight on my skin. Mm -hmm. And I also wonder, is that like something related to the spectrum? So they, so they say, right. Okay. So it's not just me thinking these things. Every time it's not just you. It's me too. Billboard. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, there are all these new, I think one of the things about autism is back when I was a kid, there were people walking around with autism 
that we had no idea what it was called or what to do with it. In fact, one of my best friend's sisters had now clearly what we realize is very high functioning autism. We just thought she was weird, Mm -hmm. you know, and a little off or something, but we had no idea what it was. And it, it made me realize how much that there really is a wide spectrum of it to some degree. And maybe it is possible that someone, um, could have certain autistic features and, and make it as a physician. I'm not sure about, you know, I've only seen the pilot. Uh, so some of it seems a little, um, entertaining, but it's hard to say exactly. I was, it was from the creator of house. So I had a feeling it was going to be good. But I just kind of questioned like him doing that whole thing. Like a guy gets hurt in the hospital, right? Like a little kid. Or no, he gets hurt in the airport right. with um, shards of glass. Right. And then he makes up this thing to save his life. Like he uses a bottle and like a MacGyver. Tube. Yeah, yeah, it reminded me of MacGyver. Totally. I was, was or Royal Pains. Believable? Or Royal Pains also, which was the concierge doctor show, which is uh, a friend of mine was uh, Mark Feuerstein was the lead yeah. in that. So it's kind of that same show with a different kind of lead. Um getting all ready to the parts that bugged me about the show. Mm -hmm. So that's what bugged you about the show. What bugged me about the show was the very end when he's coming into the operating room Mm -hmm. and he's a couple of things. He's not wearing a mask. And I know a lot of TV shows tend to do that. They'll have the surgeon walk into the OR without a mask because you want to see the doctor's surgeon's face. And if you have a mask on, you're not going to see their face and all that stuff. But it just is so wrong as a doctor, as a surgeon, you never walk into the room and the nurses put your mask on your face. Your mask is on before you walk in the room. Same with your glasses. No one's going to put your glass, unless you accidentally forget to put your mask on and your glasses, then occasionally you'll have someone put your glasses and your mask on, but likely you'll be like, oh crap, and you'll walk back out, put your mask and your glasses on, and then you'll go in already because... And it's, and that's what really bothered me, especially for someone who's autistic, who supposedly has sensory problems. Mm. Even even I, who, again, maybe I am, you know, have some issues. I want my glasses and my mask feeling perfect on my face. Um, and I'll sometimes have to fiddle and fidget with it to make sure I feel okay before I go into the operating room. So there's no way I'm going to be comfortable letting even me... There's no way I'm going to be comfortable letting someone futz with my mask and my glasses and I'm going to be comfy to then go operate. So if I'm not going to be comfortable, how is someone who has sensory issues going to really allow some strangers to go and touch them and put their glasses on and fix their mask? And that just bugged the crap out of me. That part was really the only part of the show that really bothered me. I think the only, like... hospital show besides house I watched was ER and I think that they always did that in ER and I never thought about it. They always have like a nurse come in and put their mask on or their glasses. Right. And that part just bugs me. And that's really why I want to do the show. You know, it's funny leaving autism totally now talking about other medical shows. My daughter's who's 22 graduated college. One of her best friends just started watching um, Grey's Anatomy. 
and she was asking me all these, th and she came for dinner the other night, and she has all of these misconceptions now about doctors. Uh, she was saying, because um, my kids wear my scrubs as pajamas, so one of my daughter, my daughter was, my 22-year-old daughter was wearing my scrubs as, as pajamas, and her friend goes, oh, those are chief surgeon scrubs. <laughs> and, and, and she was all excited, and there's no such thing as chief surgeon scrubs, unless, you know, there's certain places in the world that do that. But as far as I know, there aren't. Everyone just wears this, like, doctors wear the same color and the nurses wear the same color? Kind of. Each rule, each each hospital, each place has their own kind of set of rules. But I've never heard that. Mm -hmm. But circling back to autism. Circling back to autism. One in 59 children apparently have autism. And I guess... Since they're tracking it more, they don't know if that's the reason the number keeps going up. Right. Since they've been tracking it in 2000 is when they first really began researching it and tracking it. And when I feel like I've been hearing about it more and more. Right. No, it definitely seems like autism's on the rise. And, and the question is, A, like you said, is it totally on the rise, truly on the rise? Or is it that we're just more aware of it now? We know what to call it now, whereas we used to just be like, oh, he, like my friend's sister. She's just weird or something. You know, that's what we so used didn't to say. Even, nobody even knew what autism was. Nobody's Back when I was a kid, you know, in the 80s, it was, I remember there was another TV show called St. Elsewhere, which was, believe it or not, the medical show that I watched as a kid that kind of made me want to become a doctor. That and Quincy, which was a medical examiner, a coroner show. But St. Elsewhere, which Denzel Washington got his start on, who, interestingly enough, I met him years later and, uh, and told him that. And I was totally ridiculous and gaga <laughs> when I met him. Um, on St. Elsewhere, one of the lead character's sons was autistic. And it seemed very new, and it seemed very novel at the it time. It probably was. Maybe it was the first time. Right. But they had. But he was just more of a shell. You know, when you think of severe autism, yeah, he was just kind of would rock back and forth and, and be very fixated on, and troubled by sensory things, by no means what our character on yeah, uh, the, good doctor, the Good Doctor. Yeah, and by no means that functional. And then there's the whole, the point that they make in the move, in the TV show about savant. So, so there's autism and then there's the autistic savants and who like have some. Rain Man. Right, exactly, which was another early thing that shows some, some element of genius. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of, some people with autism have normal brain function, but some are highly intelligent or even super intelligent or have some amazing skills like in Rain Man or like this character in, uh, in The Good Doctor. Um, Right, they're better at math and sciences. Perhaps, and yeah. I, I mean, there's a summer camp where my sure kids why. go to camp, um, and a, a gentleman who I become friends with, his son. In, this camp is a wonderful camp. They actually um, have a whole program for children with disabilities as well. And one of the kids who's been going there for years is is a kid with autism who's not super high on the spectrum, but but towards the higher functioning end uh, on the spectrum. And he also exhibits some interesting um, abilities. Supposedly, if you tell him what year and date you're born, he could tell you what movie was released that year. And it's a pretty interesting, wow. cool thing. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, um, and this friend of mine who's the father of this kid has written an interesting book um, called listening to Ezra and maybe even he's someone we could have talked to to see if he believes that um, someone with autism to some degree would a ever be able to be a doctor or surgeon well how old is the son how old is Ezra now 
He's got to be in his 20s. Okay. Yeah. Do you know if he has a regular job or? I know he does a lot of volunteering things. Um, and, and I know he's pretty functional, but he's certainly not a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly think that being a doctor is not unreasonable. But being a surgeon, I kind of agree with that whole argument that they had in the pilot, mm-hmm. whether or not... Um, yeah, the board was right. trying to vote if he could be a, a surgeon or not. Or not, or, or might it cause potentially too many uh, serious mistakes and accidents. And I guess that's what the whole series is going to be about a little bit. But I'm, I actually feel like I want to watch more episodes now. I was... I really wanted to hate it I so badly. <laughs> I had seen the the previews for it and well, trailers for it. Why do you think these type of shows give doctors like put them in a bad light or just put or no. just change people's perspective? I think it changes perspective. I wanted to hate it because I just thought it seemed so silly and not possible. But the way they've done it actually makes me feel like maybe, maybe you know. Impossible. So and again, I've I've thought about other people I know in different professions who have weird traits that, you know, certain traits of autistic people or savant people, and you could and you could pick out those traits and say, you know, I'd be curious to talk to Shore, the guy who wrote it, who, who wrote House, to say, did he base it, did he have any personal experiences, or did he totally make it up? I'd be curious, I, I guess we could Google it or, yeah. or check to see I, where yeah, he got the idea know. from. No, I didn't see any information about yeah. that. But I was curious, because I feel like, as I'm not a doctor, that doctors do often have different personalities. Like, I don't know if it's maybe because you guys see so many sad stories or have so many, you know, you have to tell people that they have terminal cancer or what, but it just seems like doctors in general are very less empathetic than most people. Do you find? Less empathetic. Surgeons, maybe. Doctors in general, I'm not sure. It just almost seems like maybe it's a needed quality. Like, I have anxiety, and, like, they don't seem to ever, like, they're just like, bam, bam, bam. Like, they have to get... I don't know if it's just because you guys have so many patients or... No, I think it's just during the job. You know, it's like you put your game face on and then when you're doing your job. And then I think when you're done doing that job, I think everything that's there is still there. Also, it's like a game face. I didn't know if it was really like more of a different personality. And that is actually interesting about the end of The Good Doctor. He, I guess, is it like the chief of surgeon he's working for in there? I don't know. But he's just um, the good doctor. I forget his name. But the, the autistic surgeon... Is suctioning, and the chief says, "This is. I hope you like enjoy this because this is all you'll be doing. Because I don't think you should be here." And then he says back to the doctor, "You're very arrogant. Is that something a good surgeon needs to be?" Right. I thought that was great writing and great dialogue mm-hmm. and great. But if a surgeon were would ever, at least I think so, if someone at that junior level would it a i don't think a junior level person would ever speak up speak back but since this kid has autism maybe he would but i think any surgeon in charge would most who's seems like a total jerk wouldn't tolerate being spoken to like that and would most likely say get out of my or i'm surprised it was just silence but i guess it was more dramatic mm-hmm. although it might have been more dramatic for him to go you're out of my OR and let that be a conflict. So I was kind of surprised. So that is something you see in a lot of um, medical shows like ER. If you talk back, you always get in trouble. But like they're always the one that's like, oh, they see something wrong, so they just have to speak up. Right, right. I was surprised that if they're making the guy a jerk, he stayed silent and allowed him to talk to him that way. That's what surprised me. Like if he's a jerk, he would throw him out of the OR. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
he wouldn't come around that quickly. So that also bothered me a little bit, but not as much. The, the mask hole thing really bugged me so much <laughs> that I was that I was upset. Have you seen anyone um, thrown out of the OR for that kind of reason, for speaking up? Certainly in movies I have, and <laughs> I know, TV I'm shows. Just like, is that real? Um, I've seen... I've seen people get scolded for, uh, but it's rare that someone would have the chutzpah, which means uh, cojones, to um, to speak up like that. It's pretty rare. Um, I've seen occasionally with nurses and doctors kind of getting in it a little bit, and it usually doesn't end mellow with a fadeaway, um, you know, like <laughs> right. the good doctor ended. Roll the credits. Yeah. Right, exactly. But I, 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 I got to say, I'm excited to see the next episodes. You too. That's so interestingly, though, just about the show in terms of pop culture. So I, on my way, I was driving my 14-year-old to school this morning, and I had told her that I watched the show, and I think it's a fun show that maybe we should all watch together. And she goes, what is it, like Grey's Anatomy? And I said, <laughs> yeah, it actually <laughs> is just like Grey's Anatomy, the except one of the characters, at least from the pilot, it seems like, it's just like Grey's Anatomy, except one of the pilots, uh, one of the, the main characters, is different. Yeah, I thought so, too. Because immediately, like, two of the hot doctors were already hooking bed, up. Right. And then the, I just keep calling him the chief of surgery. I don't know if that's right. his title. But he looked like a male model. But I think it was well written. So so I'm going to, I'm not going to pan it. And, and other than the, the. Uh, no, yeah, I questioned it at first. Yeah. But then I got into it. Yeah, I'll exactly. agree with that. So the, the, you know, the only other issue is uh, it's flu season right now. Everybody's supposed to get their flu shot. And um, um, most people comply, especially at the hospital where I work. If you don't get your flu shot, you cannot come to the hospital to work unless there are certain rare exceptions. If you have an allergy or something like that, then you have to wear a mask. But um, so that kind of takes us into not so much with the flu vaccine, but with other vaccines, um, some people, uh, parents have refused to let their children get certain of their vaccines for that concern that that might cause an increased risk of autism. And do you have any thoughts about it as a non-doctor, well, Lauren? As a non-doctor, I mean, I only hear these stories about people getting diseases that normally were eradicated or like Disneyland alerts being like, these kids right. uh, weren't vaccinated and now they're getting other people sick. So right. obviously it makes me angry for those kids. But right. then I was researching it and I guess some parents might really feel that they have a valid claim that are into the anti-vaccination movement. Because uh, even the actor Aiden Quinn claims that as soon as his daughter got vaccinated, she started having a lot of symptoms and she couldn't function. And Autism? That's what he says. Wow. And so I'm, I... Where's he been? I like it. I do too. I don't know. Yeah. And apparently Jenny McCarthy claims like the same thing. She's like blamed for the whole anti-vaccination huh. thing because she wrote like three books about it. Wow. I think as far as at least hard data, hard evidence, there really isn't any that, that vaccinations cause autism. Right. Can so it could have just been something happen? else. Sure. Yeah. Right. Could it have been there and something in the vaccine maybe triggered maybe who knows but like you said um not vaccinating could be much much worse um in terms of serious major huge population health risks um and i think it's worth studying and should be looked at but i i don't necessarily think that there's any real data out there about 
vaccines causing autism. Well, and one of the doctors too, oh, Dr. Andrew, Andrew Jeremy Wakefield is now a discredited British doctor, apparently who like um, celebrities like Jenny McCarthy were quoting because he said that there was a direct correlation right. and he's now been discredited. Debunked. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so I'm not sure know. if he did a lot of harm. I'm not sure how large this anti-vaccination movement is, but I think they passed a law in California that you have to get I'm not sure. I'm vaccinated not sure. now. I'll look it up. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, we still don't know a ton about why it truly happens. You know, we do know that we see an increase in autism in older parents, both men and women, um, older age parents. Um, is that, yeah, there always seems to be a risk with being an older... Right, and it's not just autism. It could yeah. be a Down syndrome, other chromosomal abnormalities, other issues. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's surprising we don't know a ton. Yeah, that's what I think, too, with all the fundraising and everything that seems to be going on. It's just, it doesn't seem like we still right. know a lot more information, and now with this large right. spectrum, more people are being diagnosed. Right. I did like the point of the chief, the, the president of the hospital made the point that the reason they should hire the kid is because just like at one point they hired women and just like at one point they hired black people, now they should hire someone with some type of, quote, disability to give them a chance. I thought that was an interesting argument. Mm-hmm. One, yeah. I, I'm just an interesting argument. They had uh, an argument about atypical, I guess a lot of parents with autism were angry that not there weren't more autistic actors on the show. So uh, I think they're actually doing that more. Right. And as a person, I guess, more naive about autism, I didn't even know there were a lot of like autistic people trying to get into the acting field. But, right. Yeah. All right, good stuff. So um, even though I'm a doctor, there's plenty of stuff I don't know, and a lot of this is just kind of my own uh, experience, thoughts, uh, and interest. And certainly, um, there's always uh, the ability to talk to your own doctor or go online. And if you have any feedback at all, there are ways to. Are there ways to give us feedback? Or yes, go to grossanatomypodcast.com and just send us an email. It's, it's simple. Cool. I wanted to learn more about autism organizations in my area which leads me to be outside of a bowling alley in Torrance, California for a BullCon Friendship Bowl, which directly benefits Our Village. And Our Village is a social skills program for children, teens, and young adults with autism. So I am here with the executive director and the founder mm-hmm. of yes. Our Village. And it started in 2015, correct? That's right, yeah. And what made you want to do this great organization? So our village was really a passion project. I've been in this field for over 20 years wow. uh-huh, and helping um, children and teens with autism and other um, social delays. And what we really found that there was a need in the community to do groups um, and to help kids and teens and adults be in a cohort and learn from each other and involve neurotypical peers as well as mentors. So we have a very big inclusion philosophy. Okay. And we really were trying, my colleagues and I were trying to fill a gap in the South Bay um, of access for families to find these groups okay and um to make it affordable for families as well how big are the groups are they well so we have children's groups from ages 4 to 12 and those groups are probably uh five to six kids okay 
and then um, we have our teen and young adult groups. Um, so our teen groups are 12 to 17, and our young adult groups are um, 18 to 30. Okay. And those groups are up to 12 members, and their parents attend as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and then we've been, Dr. Cohen and I were discussing how a lot more people are diagnosed um, every year with autism. Mm -hmm. Is that because more people are just going to find, like, to get their diagnosis, or is it because, like, the spectrum is so much wider now, or can you explain that? Because he was talking about when he was little that he didn't know, like, the autism mm -hmm. wasn't discussed. Oh, and yeah. now there's a spectrum, and so people are finding out. It's so true. I mean, I remember I started at UCLA for undergrad, and uh, I had classes with Dr. Lovas, who inspired me back then. And I remember one of the questions on my final exam was, what's the prevalence of autism? And in the year, like, 99 or 2000, it was, like, 1 in 10,000. Wow. And now I believe it's about 1 in 64, but it's always changing. Okay. So just that, you know, prevalence of in that increase is um, astounding, right? A lot of people say it's due to better testing, capturing it earlier. Um, we know the signs earlier, so doctors are really good at screening at like 18, 18 months, capturing these kids to get them early intervention quickly. But um, I do think also um, that there's such a spectrum that there's a whole uh, movement about neurodivergence, right? And I think there's just such a spectrum that we're all a little, um, you know, we all, we all are neurotypical, but we all are a little neurodivergent. And I think they're just better at capturing the people at maybe the higher end that are more like Asperger-like and giving them support, which is key. Okay. And cap capturing them under that spectrum where before maybe they were uh, not caught. Right. And diagnosed. And so are the groups different based on the spectrum or are they all... That's a great question. So yes, we, we pair our group pretty much by um, ability and also like interests and what we call their affinities, what they're into, because we always want to follow their interests. And we match it on ability, especially in terms of communication. Our peers groups for teens and adults are pretty ad advanced because there's a big language component okay. and it's a CBT model. Um, but we have a lot of teens and adults that come to us, not just with autism, but with ADHD, social anxiety, sometimes just, you know, introverts or speech delays. And it, the research shows that this group is effective for all those populations. Oh, wow. Yeah, but so you can imagine it would be hard to have like a lower functioning autism group mixed with like social anxiety and ADHD, right? So we tend we tend to group on skill level, but also, you know, if we if they'll get along, if they'll find common interests, which is a big thing for us and peers, um, so that they feel comfortable having fun and getting to know each other. That's great. And then so are you finding like we were talking about the show, I don't know if you watch the shows Atypical and oh, like yes, the good I do too. Yes. I'm hooked now too after doing research and yes. I was just wondering, do you find like these groups like help people with autism like get into college, like get better careers? Is that kind of the goal? Yes. No, definitely. Well, it's so funny because I started my career in early intervention, which I think most of us do, um, especially as a BCBA. And now we're really seeing that the teens and young adults need the help and there's not enough programs out there for them, which is another great thing about our village, right? That we're really trying to meet that need of teens and young adults. Uh, so we have the peers program, which is social skills, and then that's from UCLA. And then coming down the pipeline soon is called Peers for Career. And that's the next evidence-based program that we want to launch. As soon as it's off the presses, um, we're gonna go run to Dr. Liz and hopefully she'll teach us it. <laughs> and then we'll do Peers for Careers because you're right, like they need that social skills, right? To work collaboratively with others in the mm -hmm. workforce, 
um, even just to be with their own, um, you know, romantic partners or their family relationships, but then they need help with job coaching, interviewing, uh, sustaining a job, not giving up, working through the, the through that. Um, and then final question. I know you're busy here at this bowl. Is it bowl of con? <laughs> the first one. Yes, it's kind of like our. We're trying to make like a South Bay Comic Con. Basically, we're trying our it's best. It's working. I'm Thank currently you. looking at someone dressed as Milk. I saw Dark Vader. Yes, Boba Fett's here. The Star Cars are here. We're trying our best. Yeah. The comic bug donated. So for like our anime friends. So we're trying to do as much as we can. That's great. And so, what are other ways that people can donate and volunteer? Okay, that's a great question. Actually, it's a perfect time of year to help us because we are so excited. We've been um, working in the community a lot at different schools and regional centers. We just signed a lease in Redondo Beach, and we have our very first home for our village, our like brick and mortar. Um, and so now we have this beautiful space, uh, and we are opening December 1st, but now we need to fill it. So um, donations, um, used or new, are really appreciated. We need furniture, toys like arts and crafts anything you can think of to fill a space would be fantastic and then because we, we want to start groups there in January okay well thank you well thank you thank very you, much Lauren. for talking with us yes. and um, good luck with everything thank you so much for coming out we appreciate it thanks again to Monica Fife for speaking with me and if you'd like to get involved with our village visit our village and learn about all the ways that you can get involved, including volunteering to be a play tutor, behavior coach, or mentor. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine.